Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. We uh, finished up a series last week called Fireworks. We've been talking about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit operates in our life. And I've been telling you over about three weeks now that this was a very important Sunday because this this particular day, um, I'm just going to preach a standalone message that kind of outlines for you where we are going in the fall. The Bible says that if you don't have any vision, you perish. Another version says this, if there's no vision, people cast off restraint because they don't know where they're going. So I'm going to line out for you about halfway through this message where we're headed in the fall. And so I'll, if you're going to sleep, sleep in the first part. Uh, don't sleep in the second part because then you won't know where we're going and you'll cast off restraint, all right? But I want you to pay close attention because I believe that the Lord has given us a very specific uh, understanding and direction of where he wants us to go as a body. But I don't want you to get out of here and think we're just talking corporately because there are implications that we're going to talk about that for you personally this morning. So I want, us to, I want you to listen real close. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about the idea that I need some room. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Second Kings chapter 6. Verse 1 through 7. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. One of my all-time favorite portions of Scripture, uh, and, and you'll understand why here in just a moment. But this is what the text says. It says, Now the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, Behold now, the place before you where we are living is too limited for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and each of us take from there a beam and let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. So he said, go. Then one said, please be willing to go with your servants. And he answered, I shall go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was failing a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, alas, my master, for it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and he threw it in there and made the iron float. He said, Take it up for yourself. So he put out his hand and he took it. Then in Isaiah chapter 54 verse 2, this portion of scripture has been preached about for decades. It's been preached every which way you can possibly preach it. And I'm not going to try to elaborate too much on it, but I want to draw your attention to it. Very familiar portion of scripture. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 2 says this, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, spare not, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your pegs. I've already told you in the past that there are basically three levels of living. The first level that most of us are trapped in is the survival level. We just make it by the hair of our chinny-chin-chin. We, we exhibit that in our finances. We make it from paycheck to paycheck. We, we, make that, we exhibit that in our spiritual walk because we just make it from Sunday to Sunday. If I can just get enough of God to hold on till next Sunday, then when I come back next Sunday, I get revitalized and refreshed. And then I might be able to make it another week. Young people are notorious. They do this at camps. They get enough of God at summer, and they think if I can just hold on to God at 
what I got at camp this year. Maybe I'll make it to next summer. And we just survive. But I've also told you that that is not where God wants you to live. God has more for you than being in survival mode. The second level of living is success. And that's the level that we all want to live in. That We think that is where the ultimate level of living is found. When we have the nice house with the three and a half car garage. And the three and a half kids. And the four and a half cars. And the little white picket fence. And the two dogs. And, and, and the designer clothes. And if my name is up in lights. And everybody knows who I am. And if I'm on TV. And if I'm on radio. And if everybody's buying my books. And everybody's clapping for me. And patting me on my back. Then I'm successful. And then I'll be satisfied but I came to tell you this morning you'll never be satisfied with just success because God never ordained you just to be successful he wants you to be successful but that is not the ultimate level of living because the ultimate level of living for you is significance God has something for you to do that nobody else can do it doesn't matter if you're eight years old doesn't matter if you're 38 years old doesn't matter if you're 88 years old or 108 years old if you've never fulfilled your purpose and plan in life God God has something significant for you to accomplish for him. That is the ultimate level of living significance. There are some quotes I want to draw to your attention that tie into this. President John F. Kennedy says it like this. He said, there are risks and costs to a program of action, but they are far less than the long-range risks and costs of comfortable inaction. How many of you know it's comfortable to do nothing? All right, some of you know that because you did that yesterday. All right, you did nothing and you were comfortable with it. But God never called us to just do nothing. He didn't call us just to, to lay on a couch somewhere and veg out all the time. He has purpose for us. He has destiny for us. Max Dupree, one of my favorite quotes, says this. In the end, it is important to remember that we cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. Then Ronald Osborne comes along and he says this. He says, unless you do something beyond what you've already mastered, you will never grow. That's a powerful statement, which brings me to this text. Before I read this text because or, or uh, allude to this text, let me just say this. You need to understand that this text that I just read to you should be the anthem and the heart cry of you as an individual and of us corporately every day. What this young man says in this portion of Scripture should be our rallying cry. We should wake up every morning and say what he said. Why? Let me tell you why. Because the enemy wants to bring in apathy on you. Individually, he wants you to relax. Individually, he wants you to just become apathetic and lethargic and do nothing to accomplish God's plan and purpose in your life. But I also need to tell you this morning that we wouldn't be the first church that apathy seeped in. It's really quiet in here, but I'm telling the truth this morning. There are churches all over America and all over the world that at one moment in their history had a purpose and a plan and a desire to accomplish something for God. But apathy snuck in and they sat down on God's plan and purpose. We wouldn't be the first crew to never accomplish God's purpose and plan. We cannot allow apathy to seep into our lives. We cannot, we must fight against apathy. We must come to this place where this becomes our anthem and our hearts cry. Where every day it comes out of our spirit individually and corporately. You want to know what the cry was? It was what the young man said to Elisha. It was a literal statement for them. But it is a spiritual statement for us. This is what the young man said. He said, the place where we are living is too limited for us. 
In other words, in our, in our vernacular, he's saying, hey, buddy, I need some room. I, I, I'm kind of crowded here. I need some space. Give me some room. Come on, bump your neighbor. Get him out of your space. Say, you're in my space. I need some room. See, I understand. I recognize this morning that, that some of you, where you've been living, where you've been existing, where you've been carrying out your daily walk with God is too limited for you. See, I, I believe, I know some of you have been getting by on two minutes of prayer a day, but let me just say to you this morning, that's too limited for you. I understand that some of you have been getting by just by pulling that little card out of that promise loaf on mama's counter, reading that one little verse of scripture once a month, and you go, well, that's getting me by. But that place is too limited for you. One psalm a day is too limited for you. One proverb a day is too limited for you. You need some space. I understand that you've been getting by fasting one meal every year and thinking, I'm getting breakthrough with one meal. But that place is too limited for you. The breakthrough that your family needs. The breakthrough that your neighborhood needs. The breakthrough that your city needs. The breakthrough that this state needs. The breakthrough that this world needs. Cannot be accomplished by staying in the small place. We got to grow. We got to expand. We got to lengthen the stakes. We got to get out there and do something. How do we know that we're living in a small place? We know we're living in a small place when you come to the place where you've got one favorite author and you won't read anybody else's stuff but his or hers and they've got the corner on the market and only what they say is right, then your place is too small. You, I, we know that you're in a small place when you only have one preacher and you think that one preacher has got it and he's the only person I'll listen to and he's the style I like and he says it like I like it and if it ain't him, I ain't listening. Too small. We're in a small place if you think worship can only be led with an acoustic guitar. They come in with some drums. You go, mm, that ain't really worship. If they just had about nine acoustic guitars with nothing else, then we would really be worshiping. That's real worship. And if it's not that, then it's not really worship. Your place is too small. But if you think that worship can only be accomplished when we have a Hammond B3, which I happen to like, and a bass guitar and a drum and get some soul in it, if you think that's really worship and nothing else fits into that, then your place is too small. If you think that we got to sing all the songs you know before it's worship, your place is too small. If you think we got to sing just hymns to get into worship, your place is too small. If you think the preacher's only preaching when he stands real still and talks real stoically and says, Thus saith the word of the Lordeth. And that's preaching to you, then your place is too small. But if you think that preaching only is accomplished when somebody's spitting into the fourth row and he's going, uh, 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 at the end of every word, your place is too small. Come on, touch somebody and say, I need some room. I need some room. Somebody give me some room. We are called to grow. You need to understand that the word constantly, consistently tells us that we are commissioned to grow and to mature. We're to grow up. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, it's time to grow up, baby. See, we're called to move from glory to glory. Our problem is, is that once we get one taste of glory, we want to stay on that glory the rest of our life. That's what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. The disciples, they experienced glory and, and they said, Jesus, just let us stay here the rest of our Forget the fact that everybody else is going to hell. Forget about the fact that everybody else is living in devastation. Forget the fact that everybody else down there hasn't tasted what we've tasted. But we just want to stay up here in glory. No, 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 no. We're moving from glory to glory, precept to precept, from milk, come on somebody, from milk to meat. We are not called to grow stagnant in our relationship with the Lord. 
You're not called to sit and soak and sour for the rest of your life. You're not called to look like the mule who tried to suck the golf ball out of the gopher hole. You are called to grow and mature and deepen your relationship with God on a daily, constant, minute-by-minute, second-by-second basis. We need some room. I, I know you'd like to stay with what you've always known. I, like, I know you'd like to, to live in what you've always lived in. I met a young lady up here in Oklahoma City that attended my church when I was growing up, and she is still bouncing around church to church trying to find a church like her home church. The problem is the church we went to was in a town of 20-something hundred people. Oklahoma City has a few more than that. She's not going to find it. She wants to live where she always lived. It will not work. We are called to grow. We are called to be a movement, not a monument. Growth. We are called to grow. I understand that it's comfortable living in what you've always known, but you can never get to the level of significance if you stay there. Can't do it. Now, I don't know what you thought Christianity was going to be. Maybe you thought it was going to be a cakewalk. Maybe you thought it was going to be a bed of roses. Maybe you thought, if I just accept Jesus, it's going to be easy street and I can tiptoe through the tulips the rest of my life. But I got news for you. God doesn't operate that way. The Bible describes God as an eagle who stirs up the nest. Any of you feel like God is stirring you right now? Anybody feel like God's messing with you sometimes? Anybody feel like God pulls the rug out from under you sometimes? Why is he doing it? He's trying to get you up on the edge to get you to go where you're supposed to go and do what you're supposed to do. He wants you to grow. He wants you to mature. There was an experiment done a few years ago by the, uh, a guy by the name of Dr. John Calhoun. He is a leading mental health researcher. And what he did is he built a nine-foot square cage that could comfortably handle 160 mice. And what he did is over a period of time, he started with eight mice, four male and four female. And over the next five years, all he did was he provided them food and water, and he would only take mice out that were sick, nothing else. And in two years, they multiplied to 2,200 mice. Right? 2,200 mice. But by the end of the five years, guess what happened? Every mouse died. Every one of them. There wasn't one left. You know what his conclusion was? He wrote in his conclusions, in his report, they ran out of room. I want to tell you something this morning. If you're living in, the, in a small place, a cramped place, spiritually speaking, it will kill you. You will die. If you're not expanding, if you're not lengthening your cords and strengthening your stakes, if you're not expanding your tent and learning more and experiencing more and coming to know God at a deeper level, you will die. The cramped place will kill you. I want to... I believe it's a prophetic, I know it's blunt, but I just want, I feel like it's prophetic. I need to tell some of you, you've been in the, you've been the big fish in the little pond for too long. Everybody else looks at you and go, man, they're a spiritual giant. But the truth is, is you're just bigger than they are, and you're really a big fish in a little pond. If you would understand that there's more out there, there's room for you to grow, there's room for you to mature, there's room for you to deepen, you've got to get to know more than what you know right now. I know you can quote John 3.16 with your hands tied behind your back, but can you quote anything else? I know you read Mark when you were 16, but have you read anything since? I know you led somebody to Jesus when you were 22, but what have you done since now that you're 42? 
We're living in the small place. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, I need some room. I need some room. See, I read this portion of Scripture, and it's interesting to me that he says, the place where we're living is too small. Then, then, then this thing happens that I didn't understand. The Bible says that he went out, this young man went out and started chopping trees down, and his axe head fell off. How many of you ever had that happen before? I've had that happen before. You're, you're going to work, and I could talk about trying to, cut, you know, being blunt, and you can go all into losing his anointing and try to carry out the things in the, of the Spirit in the flesh, and you can do all that. But this passage of Scripture just didn't make a lot of sense to me. How does this fit into this concept of I need some room, this place is too limited for, for me? And suddenly, I read it again, and the Holy Spirit said this to me. He, he's cutting down the tree, the axe head falls off, and he calls Elisha, and he says, Master, alas, the axe head was borrowed. In other words, catch this. If you don't catch anything else I say this morning, catch this. He was totally depending on somebody else's edge to remove the obstacles to his growth. Let that one sink in. Because how many of us totally depend on somebody else's edge to remove the obstacles to our growth? Well, if the preacher would just preach better, I could grow. If the prayer team would just pray more, we might have a move of God in this church. If sister so-and-so would get her life right, then I could worship. I'm preaching really straight this morning. I understand. But we're going somewhere. we got to get some room. You cannot depend on somebody else's edge to remove the obstacles for your growth. What's keeping you from growing? What's keeping you from maturing? Some of you have been, been depending on mama's and grandmama's prayer long enough. It's time for you to get your own prayer life. The Bible says that Elisha threw the stick in and the iron floated. And guess what he said to the young man? Take it up for yourself. Well, Pastor Steve, I, I, I just thought if, you know, I've been in bondage and, and I thought if I could come here and, and, and you would pray over me, I'd, I, that would solve all my issues. I'm sorry. The Bible says that you're an overcomer. It doesn't say Pastor Steve is an overcomer for you. Well, Pastor Steve, I thought, you know, I, I've got all these issues in my life, and I, if I could just get the right people to, to help me, these habits, man, these habits are just overtaking my life. If I could just get the right people with the right amount of oil and the right volume, and they would pray over me, then breakthrough would come. Now, listen, they can help you, and I believe that they can help pray you through, but the truth is this morning that the Bible says that you have to, you have to beat your own body in the subjection. You have to offer your own body as a living sacrifice. They can't do it for you. How many of you know people that have been prayed for 92,000 times and they're still going to have the same habit they had before? Because they can't take the prayer team home. And the truth is this morning is that some of us are waiting and we're putting all of our anticipation on somebody to make our breakthrough happen for us. You've got to get your own edge. I think I've told you this story before, but it, it applies here. T.D. Jakes was in a meeting one time. He was preaching, and he preaching as powerfully as he always does. And a young man ran up to him in the altar and said, Pastor Jakes, I want what you've got. Will you please pray for me so that I can have your anointing? And T.D. Jakes grabbed him by the ears so he couldn't get away. And he began to pray this. God, I pray everything this young man tries to do will be terrible. I pray everything, everywhere this guy tries to go, he'll, he'll break down and nobody will want to listen to him. I pray every time that you give him a word that nobody will give him a microphone. I pray that you'll make him frustrated and depressed. And the guy's fighting him off and saying, Pastor Jacob, I didn't ask you to pray for that. 
And Pastor Jakes made this statement. He said, son, you don't understand. You can't have what I've got until you've been through what I've been through. See, you need to understand this morning that exposure is important. But that's not enough. Exposure is important for your life. But what you really got to have is experience. So you can be around all the powerful preachers you want to be around and that won't make you a powerful preacher. You can be around a powerful prayer warrior all you want. That won't necessarily make you a powerful prayer warrior. You can be around passionate people every Sunday and that won't necessarily make you passionate. And I told you last couple of weeks, you can be in a Pentecostal church the rest of your life and that won't make you Pentecostal. You've got to get your own edge. The Bible says in the Old Testament that there was this anointing oil. That they would pour over people to anoint them. That anointing oil was made up of five spices. Three of those spices were myrrh, spikenard, and cinnamon. Two of those are sweet and one of those is bitter. Teaching us that the way that we get our own edge is we take the sweet things of life and the bitter things of life. And then the two unknown spices, those things that we don't even know about. And we mix them all together because the Bible says he works everything together for our good. And what happens is we experience life, the bitter things, the nice things, the, the ugly things, the pretty things. It produces in us an edge. You've got to have your own edge. Do you know what happens when you try to operate on somebody else's edge? Go read the book of Acts and ask the seven sons of Sceva what happens when you try to operate with somebody else's edge. It will cause you to get broke, busted, and disgusted really fast because somebody will beat the mess out of you when you try to operate in somebody else's edge. It will expose you for what you are. They will, that, that spirit will rise up in whatever you're praying about and say, Pastor Steve, I know. Tina and the prayer team, I know. But you, who are you? You've got to have your own edge. You've got to get your own edge so that you can remove the obstacles to your growth. You've got to take it up for yourself. I can't pray for you. I can't study for you. I can't read for you. I can't fast for you. I can't get breakthrough for you. I can't get your miracle. You've got to get it for yourself. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, take it up for yourself. Come on, touch your other neighbor and say, come on, get it for yourself. Quit waiting on grandmama. Quit waiting on the pastor. Quit waiting on the youth pastor and the JV pastor. Get it for yourself. I need some room. That has implications for us personally, but it has implications for us corporately as well. I want to say to you this morning that we have come, whether we like it, whether we recognize it, whether we understand it as a body, we have come to a crossroads. Hear me this morning. This is the time to wake up. I'm in, the, I'm in the half right here. This is time to wake up. We have come to a point in the, a fork in the road. There is a crossroads here that we have decisions to make. We have some choices that we have to make corporately if we're going to go forward. And I want to line those choices for you out, out for you this morning. The, the reality for us as a body is that we can become comfortable with where we are right now. How many of you are enjoying services on Sunday morning? Right? You're comfortable. We can get really comfortable right where we are right now. Did you know that right now we are larger than 80% of the churches in America? Right now. We have a choice to make. We can grow apathetic and comfortable and say, you know what? Let's stay where we are. Let's stay in this small place. Let's stay where we, we we're living right now. But I've got news for you. I believe that God is saying to us, the place you're living is too limited for you. I'm not, listen, 
Stay with me. I am not trying to make a name for myself. I, I don't need my name up in lights. It's been there before. I don't need to be published. I already am published. I don't need people to buy my CDs. They've bought my CDs. I am not trying to make a name for myself. Hear me this morning. You know who I'm trying to make a name for? Jesus. And the place that we're living in right now is way too small for Jesus. And so we have this this crossroads that we're, we can be satisfied and say, you know what, we're occasionally doing outreach. We're making these short forays into the unknown. And then we come back together and we huddle up together and pat ourselves on the back and say, we did it. We did outreach. Oh, once every six months we did outreach. Glory to God. We're doing what the, the Great Commission says to do and be comfortable. Am I making you nervous? I hope so. Am I making you uncomfortable? I hope so. Because we are at a crossroads as, the, as a body of believers. If we are going to be what we said we were going to be, if we're going to hold on for what we said we wanted, which is more, if we are going to accomplish what God said we could accomplish, we are at a crossroads. We cannot stop here. Corporately, we must make a decision. And so let me walk you through that practically this morning. We got to make room in here. Did you realize or do you realize that right now it used to be 80% but now researchers teach us that a room is at capacity when it is 70% complete. You know why? Because we gain so much weight in America that, that we want more room. And we don't have any personal space anymore. And so we don't want to come to a big crowd and be crowded. And so we spread out. That's why most of you have five or six chairs in between you. You know, we all could probably fit in four rows. But we would rather spread out, right? At 70% complete full, the building is full. Let me do some math for you. I'm not a math whiz. Uh, and, and so don't hold me exactly, but I'm close. We have 206 chairs in this room. 70% capacity, if I did my math right, if my calculator is right, is 135. 135 people is all we can fit in here comfortably. Do you know that before summer started, we were averaging, hear this, 129. And three weeks before summer started, we had a high crowd of 164. Imagine what that felt like. Whether we recognize it or realize it or not, we are at capacity. And so what I'm saying to you is that we can stop here and say, well, we're comfortable and I've got room to put my stuff all around me and, not, and go, we don't really care if anybody else joins us or not. We're satisfied. The bills are being paid. We're having good services. That's enough. The place we are living is too limited for us. The second element that we need to grow in is this, and it ties into this, is this. We need more room to serve. How many of you were here the first Sunday of one prayer? Not the first Sunday, it would have been the third Sunday of one prayer when I played a, a, a DVD from Ed Young Jr. and about halfway through it stopped. you remember that? And I had to get up and re-preach this message. I hated that because on that particular sermon, he says this. He made this statement. He said, he said it to his people. I'm going to say it to you. This is his statement. He said, if you aren't serving, you're not really a member or a part of this church. Let that sink in. That went over huge. If you're not serving, if you're not using your gifts, was his, his argument, you are not really genuinely a part of this body. And I, I have to concur. Because if we're not using our gift, if we're not using that, that ability that God has given us, then the truth is we're not really a part. What we really are is we're a customer. Like when we go to the restaurant and we sit down and we eat and we get up and leave. That's what happens here. 
If you're not serving, you're not a part. We must follow Jesus' example. Do you remember how it was described? Jesus was described. He came to serve, not to be served. We've let our American consumerism overtake our church experience, so we just come and consume and we never give back. And I am saying to you that what we've got to do is if we've got to make room to serve. We've got to get you busy using your gifts. Why? Because if you don't use your gifts, you will never grow and you will never mature like God wants you to. Your maturity is wrapped up in your gift. Your growth is wrapped up in your gift. We need your gift, and so we need to make room. Now, listen. I understand that a lot of you, when you got to Passion Church, came from situations that that you showed up and you were tired and you'd been abused, some of you, spiritually speaking, you were worn out, you, you were burnt out, you've served faithfully for years, decades, and you came and you go, I just want to sit and rest a little bit. And that's fine. I got no problem with that. But that is a season, a season that is not how we're supposed to live our life. There is a period of time where God comes in and he refreshes us and renews us. And hopefully it doesn't take you more than just a few Sundays. And all of a sudden you feel something stirring within you and you know, I got to do something for the kingdom of God. This is not a buffet, y'all. We have to serve. And so with those two things in mind, this is what I want to tell you. Beginning September the 7th, we're starting a new service. Our services on Sunday morning will be at these time, two times, 9.15 and 11.15. We're going to have two services. Now, let me tell you right now, if what we do is we split into two groups of 60, it's going to be lonely up in here, and y'all going to wear this little preacher out, and the worship team too. That, that's not what I'm talking about. If we divide into one group of 100 and one group of 30, that won't cut it either. I want to challenge you this morning. We're going to go to two services so that you can take it as a personal challenge. I, if I had time, I'd call you all name by name and look at you right now. I put my finger in your face and say, I challenge you. Fill up the service that you attend. Accept personal responsibility that, that I can't fill up the service, but you can fill up the, help me fill up the service by bringing the people you know. We've got to make some room. We've got to get some room. So we're going to do these two services so that, that you'll have room. That, that deals with the issue of space. But then secondly, the other thing it does is it also gives us room to serve. So we've got to make some room to, to serve. So I want to challenge you to change the way you go to church. How many have been going to church for, let's say, 20 years? Raise your hand. Wow. Put your hands down. How many have been going to church for 30 years? Raise your hand. All right, put them down. How many have been going to church all your life? Raise your hand. Most of us. All right, put them down. You know how we do church? How, how, this is how we attend church. I go and I stay, and then when the preacher says amen, at the end, I'm out of there. Isn't that what we do? I did my duty. That's what good Christians do, and mama would have beat me if I didn't, so I'm there and then I'm gone, right? You, we got we to gotta change that mentality. This is what we're asking you to do. Are you ready for this? This is, this is a change in, in the way we do church. We're asking you to worship one, work one. You pick the one. 
You pick the one that you feel like is my best opportunity to encounter God. That is the service. Man, I'm so awake at 9.15. I'm bouncing off the walls. I've had 92 cups of Starbucks and I'm ready to go so I know I can come in and get in the presence of God and encounter Him. Then you come to the 9.15 service and worship your guts out. I don't care. But then at 11.15, when service is over, we need you to stick around. We'll still be out of here by 12.15 or 12.30. Right? You'll still beat most churches to the lunch line. We need your help. Let me tell you some of the areas that we're automatically going to need some help in so you'll know. We need more greeters. We need people to make coffee. We're, we're probably going to need parking lot attendants because we don't have the largest parking lot in the, in the history of mankind. So there could be some, some backup there that we're going to need to help. I'm telling you right now that we are going to need more children's workers because I do not intend to put our children's workers back there and let them run a babysitting service for two and a half, three hours. We want them to do the same thing. Worship one, work one. And so we need some of you to volunteer to help our children. We're going to need more sound and lighting techs. And we, we're going to need all these folks to come in and serve. There, have been, there are people in our church right now that have been serving in their position. They've been doing the same thing for almost a year. Do you understand that in about a month, we are going to be one year old? Some of them have been doing the same thing for a year. They need a break. And if you go to them and say, I want to help be a greeter, and they say, no, push them out of the way and say, that's my gift, buddy. You can't keep me from doing what God said to do. Do it nice. But do it. If you want to work with children, I know we've got some folks that are so gifted with children. You know, I remember Jamie's message. She said, don't put me in the children. All right, that's not our gifting. Right. <laughs> but there's some of you in here that have a gifting for children. And we need you to go in there and find Kim and say, Kim, I need to be ministering to children. And pour your heart out and worship one work. We're not going to slap a book in your hands and you never see the light of day again. Have you ever been in a church like that where you're asked to do something, they give you the junior high boys, and you walk in there and they give you the little book, and for about 20 years later you come out all beat up, and you're going, man, I didn't sign up for that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about serving every once in a while. They're going to put you on a rotating basis, and we're going to work one, serve one. We need your help. It's time to quit sitting and start serving. The third thing that this is going to help us or that, that we're, we're um, proposing to you is this. Is, is that we need to grow in the area of outreach. I, I've been having meetings with uh, Mike Baker and Myra Watkins who are our outreach leaders, our team leaders, and we've been talking about this, that we need a more consistent, constant presence in our community. Doing something at Easter is great, but that's not enough. Doing something at Halloween is great, but that's not enough. Doing something at Christmas, that's great, but it's not enough. We need something that we can do that will get us into our community on a daily, weekly, monthly basis where we make a significant impact in our community. I don't want to just come have church inside these four walls and say that's good enough and pat ourselves on the back and say that's what it's all about. It's not what it's all about. We've got to make a significant impact in our community. So I've been challenging them about that. They are working on a strategy right now that when they get this strategy finished, I believe it will put our outreach ministry on the map here in Oklahoma City. I believe that it will so significantly impact our community that people from all over Oklahoma City and the metro area will know what's going on here and want to be a part of it. Here's the problem. They can make all the plans and all the strategies that they want to. They can't do it by themselves. They need help. Well, I'm already serving in children's ministry. That's Sunday. What are you doing the rest of the week? 
Come on now. We are called to reach out. We are called. Boy, that didn't get one amen. Do you, have y'all forgotten what we're about? We are called to reach out. We're not just called to get goosebumps. We're not just called to come and get our praise on. We are called to reach out. And I believe that what they're working on right now will enable us to bring others in and we will bring others through. That's what I believe God's going to do. So I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. I'm not going to tell you the whole strategy. I'm going to let them do that when they're ready and they've got it all in place. I'm just going to tell you it's going to take significant numbers of people. It's going to take significant commitment from us as a body to, to rally around this and get ready for it. And I believe that we're going to see significant growth, not just at Passion Church, but in the kingdom because of what is happening. Now, what does all that mean? And then I'm done. It means this. It's going to require us i put myself in the same boat it's going to require us to become more committed it's going to require us to give more energy it's going to require us to give more of our finances it's going to require us to give more of our elbow grease we are going to have to get behind this thing or we will fall flat on our face but you know what i believe that god wants to make us does this sound familiar audacious that he wants us to take risks. If it doesn't require faith, then why do it? This is a huge leap of faith for us. Are we ready? Probably not. Do we need to do it? Absolutely. We can't wait. We have to prepare for growth. We got to have some room. Do you know right now, the one of the, man, I don't even know if I should share all this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. I just feel like we ought to go ahead and do it, and then I'm going to be done. We have three children's rooms right now. They are out of space. Had uh, 20-something kids last Sunday morning. If you don't think that's tight in those rooms, you go look. We can put about four babies turned sideways in our nursery. They can't move. They can't wiggle. They can't turn over. They can't suck their thumb. The workers have to stand out in the hall and change their diapers into the room like this. It's not that bad, but it's close. That may have been due to the smell other than the size. I don't know. We need some room. How are we going to handle what's going to happen? So let me just tell you, I'm just going to speak this out in faith. We have an opportunity. This unit next to us, which we're talking about, eight, it's bigger than this, but at least 1,800 square feet of that unit next to us is available. Do you know that on this Northwest Expressway corridor, that right now the average cost of a building is somewhere between $11.25 a square foot up to $18.25 a square foot. Our landlord, because of what we've done in here and because it's blown his mind the way we've changed this building, and if you weren't here when it started, you got no idea. You got no idea. I can't even, my words, I just tell you right now, you're sitting in the middle of five rooms with a hallway and an eight and a half foot ceiling to just give you an idea. And they were all about 92 different color walls. Steel beams. Oh, man, you have no clue. All right. He's seen what we've accomplished for, for the glory of God. And he said, you know what? I'll give you this space over here. Check this out. For $750 a month. Now, what I want to do is take our two older groups of children and turn that into a children's center. So they have plenty of room to play and plenty of room to learn and plenty of room to grow, and then make that room right now, the barn room, I call it, which is the middle room, make that our nursery, which will hold about 40 babies. 
And then I'll tell you later what we're going to do with the rest of the place. But we've got to make some room for JV. And we've got to make some room to hang out after services in between the two services. Because how many know you can't talk out there if there's another service going on? We're going to solve that. I believe that that is where God is leading us. But I'm going to tell you right now, finance team, I need a huge amen after this one. We cannot do it at our present level of commitment. Gotcha. We can't do it. They weren't all on the finance team, by the way, but I'll take the amens. We can't do it. I believe that God is calling us to grow. I believe that individually, listen, this is an individual message too. The place where some of you have been living is too small for you. Your commitment level is too small. Your growth is too small. But corporately, we're in the same boat. We've got to make some room. I, I read this illustration, and, 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 I, and I give you this, and then I'm done, I promise. Sir Edmund Hillary was a climber from London, and he went to climb Mount Everest, and he failed. He didn't make it to the top. An interesting thing happened when he came back home. They threw a huge celebration party for him and gave him this huge award, and everybody was applauding him, and all the lords and the ladies from London were there to celebrate him. This huge dinner, this elaborate festivities just for him just for trying and behind the podium the all the the really important people were sitting up front and behind that there were all these different pictures huge blown up pictures of mount everest and so they were applauding people getting up and saying all kinds of nice things about him and finally the moment came where he came up to accept the, to his award and his and the recognition and it goes like this. He walks to the podium, and instead, of, he, when he gets there, instead of facing all these famous, wealthy, important people, he turns his back on them. And he points at this huge picture of Everest. And this is what he says. He said, Everest, you have defeated me. But I will return and defeat you because you can't get any bigger. But I can. And I want to tell you this morning, we can get bigger. You can get bigger personally. I want you to mature. We can get bigger corporately, a bigger vision, a bigger understanding of what God has called us to do. I want you to stand with me this morning. Touch your neighbor and say, I need some room. I don't know who you've been waiting on to serve. I don't know who you've been waiting on to grow. I don't know who you've been waiting on to develop a prayer life. I don't know who you've been waiting on to read your Bible for you. But the truth is this morning is you can no longer wait on somebody else's edge. You cannot borrow their prayer life. You cannot borrow their faith. You cannot borrow their anointing. You need to grow. And I want to tell you corporately this morning, I'm so thankful after one year of what God has done. And we're going to celebrate that at the end of August. And I'll tell you more about that in the coming weeks. I'm so thankful for what God has done. It's a miracle that we're standing in this building right now at this size already. Miracle. But you know what? God wants us to grow. He wants us to expand the ministry to accomplish his purpose and his plan. Father, I pray that you would challenge us this morning individually and corporately. We declare this morning that we're not satisfied where we are. God, I've known you most of my life, but I still need to grow. God, I've read your word all my life, but I still need to read. 
God, I've prayed to you and communicated with you all of my life, but I still want my prayer life to go deeper, become more consistent, become more powerful. God, you've used me under the anointing on countless occasions, but Father, I stand before you this morning and I declare that I want to grow in the anointing. I want to serve you more. Father, I pray that you'd speak to people in this room right now and challenge them and let them come to the understanding that where they've been living is too small for them. This Christian walk that they've become satisfied with, the little bit of power that they've tasted in their spiritual walk, God, that's too small for them. You have so much more. Father, I pray you would challenge us to grow this morning individually. Help us to pray. Help us to read. Help us to study. Help us to fast. Help us to worship at higher and deeper levels than we ever thought possible. Help us to grow. Don't let us die from lack of space. And Father, as we trust you as a body, as we take some risks here, I pray that you would come along and meet with us. Father, we believe that you're calling us to bigger and better things, not because bigger is better, but just because it creates room for other folks to mature and to come into a life-changing relationship with you. Father, I pray for the folks that are in this room right now who have been apart but haven't been serving. I pray that the gift that is within them would begin to stir afresh and anew. Some of them have served years in churches before and they're worn out and they're tired. God, I pray that you would mend them up, that you would refresh them, and then you would cast them back out on the waters again to bring in a fresh and a new harvest. God, I'm praying for an overflow of children's workers. I'm praying for an overflow of greeters. I'm praying for an overflow of sound techs and parking lot attendants. Father, I'm praying for new worships team members and new band members God I'm praying for new folks to come and be willing to serve because we understand this morning that our maturity is wrapped up in our serving we'll never mature beyond the place that we're willing to serve we will grow we will grow up as we serve Father I pray that you would challenge us this morning in Jesus name every head bowed every eye closed I don't want to get out of here without doing this this morning if you're here You say, Steve, the place I've been living is too small. The reason it's so small is because I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior. I've never asked Jesus into my heart. I've never had a relationship with with Him. And I need Him. I recognize something different in the room this this morning. And and I I sense Him. And and I don't even know what to do. But I need Jesus to come into my life and become my Lord. And and now I'm at a place where I want to grow. If that's you, quickly, I want you to raise your hand and pull it back down. We won't embarrass you, we promise, but we want to pray with you. Is there one, anybody that wants to give their heart to the Lord this morning? We're going to do this on a regular basis because we believe in new folks are coming in and, and we believe that some of them are going to need to know Jesus. Father, I pray you give us a heart for the lost. We categorize them as the down and outers, those that live in places that aren't as nice as the place I live in. But God, the truth is, is that the lost are all around us in the same neighborhood, at the same workplace, at the same school. They're on the same football team, soccer team, baseball team, same gym that we work out, the same coffee shop we go to. Make us sensitive to the lost so that as we make room, we can bring them into the fold and love on them and 
love them to you. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray you to apply it to our lives. Cause us to grow in Jesus' name. And everybody said, find the It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 